Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear America. Happy birthday to you. Please pardon my sore throat from coughing and and all that stuff. Happy 4th of July to everybody. I hope all of you are having a wonderful, wonderful day. I want to share a few thoughts and feelings, uh, just in general, about what this means, uh, what we're celebrating, and relationships to other holidays and, and all that stuff. The first thing I want to say is go out and celebrate 4th of July however you want, as long as it's legal. Enjoy it for what it is, a holiday commemorating the existence of our country. And please don't violate other people's rights to life, pursuit of happiness and liberty and all that good stuff. Please seek your own liberties and life and and happiness without harming others. Please reach out to help others when you can. And uh, share a good word. Share a nice word. Even if you're on Twitter, uh, share a nice word. That's coming from somebody who's <laughs> spent like 24 hours in a huge Twitter argument with some guy over dictionary definitions and he kept contradicting himself. I had a little bit of fun. Uh, maybe it was a sin where I was teasing, teasing him relentlessly, but... Um, even that guy that I argued with, and anybody who I fight with, anybody who I argue with in that way or, or whatever, unless they're really horrible people, you know what? I wish them a wonderful day, too. I wish them relaxation. Uh, I wish them to forget about me, whatever arguments we may have. I don't want, I don't want to occupy their headspace. Uh, I want them to think about family they love. And good things and that's my wish that's my wish is that people enjoy the day I'm imperfect I will get into arguments with Twitter as does almost anybody else um, I try to stay on the right side of history but I will examine whatever it is even if it's something I support I will examine it and I will point out what I don't like about what I support um, and what we can do to make it better. Because I believe that's all that we can do. We can't accept things as they are, even if they're good things. We should try to look for issues to try and, and make sure that the good things we support don't eventually become corrupted or uh, somehow improve where there is improvement. You know, even the best idea which is great for its time, may need improvement in a couple years. Um, always watching out where the ends are. The ends never justify the means. And if you only focus on the means, you will lead your path down to uh, hell. Because that's, you know, basically. And I don't mean like the religious Christian hell. I mean, terrible things will happen. 
if you only operate on good intentions and not focusing on how you get there and what you what happens when you do get there. So for today, a lot of people are grilling, a lot of people are celebrating. And it reminds me of someone who was it was it was like a not a meme, but it was like a Twitter or Facebook conversation that somebody screenshotted. Some person said, "This is a." They were talking about Memorial Day, but it applies to the Fourth of July because the Fourth of July encompasses all the things that um, that Memorial Day encompasses, Veterans Day encompasses. Armed um, Servicemen Day encompasses. I think I got the name wrong a little bit. Um, it encompasses all the religions and everything. Fourth of July represents all that is within our country. Those who died and those who lived to bring about the our country. Yeah, basically. And, and to maintain it. Even those who died in wars that we have since deemed to be needless. Uh, just like Memorial Day, just like, you know, Serviceman Day and Veterans Day and all that stuff. Well, this one person about Memorial Day said, I'm so sick about hearing people talk about barbecue and grilling. Men died. They didn't, they died. This is a solemn day. You shouldn't be grilling or barbecuing. You shouldn't be celebrating. It's a really nasty post. And he went on. That's, uh, I repeated some words verbatim. You shouldn't be celebrating. This is a solemn day, etc. And he went on like that. And then a veteran came forward. And he said, I have family who died while serving. I am... I'm a veteran, you know, I, and, and uh, I fought for this country, and I served my country. And I want everybody out there to go ahead and grill. We fought for freedom of expression. When servicemen die for our country, they want you to, be, to pursue love, life, liberty, and happiness. So... If how you celebrate your, your life, liberty, and happiness is by grilling with your family, then that's exactly what we died for. That's exactly what we want. We want you to be happy, basically, is what he said. He said it much more, much more straightforward and almost more poetic because he had weight behind his words from a service. Oh, it shut everyone down. That's why the thing served around there. You know, it's, or, uh, that's why the picture has been served on every single platform there is. I'm sure if you look for it, you can find it. And so I'm telling all of you out there, celebrate the 4th of July in the way that makes you happy. Don't stress out. If you feel stressed trying to get to a fireworks show, maybe skip it this year. Maybe do something equally exciting and fun, or maybe just hang out in a parking lot and watch the fireworks show, you know, city fireworks show from afar. You know, get, and, make, and make it an event, like you're picnicking in the parking lot. You know, I, I've done that before. 
You know, it's like, oh, we can't seem to get in a, you know what, let's change our plan. And we made the plan in a way, we adapted um, in a way where, where we had a lot of fun, right? So I want you all to adapt, to have fun. Don't be stressed out. You know, fireworks are just pretty lights. I mean, I, I've watched some fireworks at home uh, a, a couple of years in a row. Just absolute wonderful fireworks shows. Uh, they've gotten much better. They don't just put a picture, you know, I mean, put a camera on where the fireworks are going to be. They actually turn it into a real editing event now with music and and, and everything. And um, <clears throat> I mean, God, the, those fireworks shows on TV have come so far from the 80s and the 70s that it's just um, it's completely different experience especially if you've got surround sound you could enjoy them sit relax I mean they're real fireworks you can't say they're fake uh, the only thing that you're not doing is getting eaten up by mosquitoes while you're waiting for the damn show to start and hoping that there isn't a technical error right I also want to remind you, well, here's, uh, I'd like to give you a little trivia first. You know, um, my favorite, and I think one of the best forefathers we've had, founding fathers, one of the best role models, John Adams. John Adams owned a plantation, but by all accounts did not own one slave. John Adams hired people and nobody know and they know he hired women they know he hired men and women of color and nobody could tell who was what uh well very rarely many of his books are first initial last name only people were paid according to the job you know if women were sewing or doing butter churning or whatever they were paid according to the sewing or the butter churning or whatever and most of the pay was quite a bit you know even for a menial job it was enough to make a living off of John Adams when uh, the Boston massacre happened marched in and stopped the lynch mob led by his cousin Sam Adams John Adams represented every single one of those British guards. Even though John Adams was the strongest opponent of the crown and British occupation, he marched in there and represented people that nobody else would represent. He faced death threats because he wanted to make sure that they had a fair trial. And I, I've said this before and I've seen people say, oh, so he represented corrupt cops. No, he didn't represent corrupt cops or corrupt inst co uh, corrupt uh, police institution or uh, police union, which is basically our big problem in this country now. He marched in and represented people that were going to get lynched and murdered without having a trial to determine the events of the situation. He did not get them off. By the way, I think, um, you know, I'm trying to remember my history. I think maybe only one or two guards were wholly not guilty of anything because they did react in response to violence that was visited upon them first. 
I, I believe that one of the guards was convicted to um, and, and convicted and sentenced to prison for uh, the way he reacted. And uh, I don't know about the others. But um, the point is, he was essentially the first man to behave by the principles of the ACLU when the ACLU was functioning. The ACLU in modern day truly is not functioning. And uh, so he, he embodied everything that he preached. This man who was reviled by many members of Congress, who was given death threats, who was, who was called a filthy abolitionist, behaved in a way that's true to today. Now, he was a man of his time, which means that there are things that he believed that we no longer believe. Because situations were different. He did not believe that people who could not read and write should be allowed to vote. He did not believe that women should be allowed to vote because they would vote for their, for their husbands. His wife, however, believed opposite. And she was always working to change his ideas and his positions. And in many ways, she did. And keeping in mind when he said, I don't believe these people should vote, this was an era of high illiteracy and an era where women typically did not receive better than a third grade ed education. He was thinking of it from an intellectual standpoint. His wife was thinking of it from a freedom and rights standpoint. Well, I don't condone his position. I understand his position. Obviously, I'm in full support of his wife, giving him hell for not thinking in terms of rights and liberty. Having said that, he spent most of his life contrary to the positions of other men of that, of that time. He was a forward thinker. He helped to guide this country through example. And what is kind of sad is that it took over a hundred years for people to, uh, the majority of the United States, to align themselves with his beliefs and his actions. And this is a man who I just explained had a lot of faults. But he was so forward thinking it took over a hundred years, three generations for the majority of America, at least three, maybe four, for the majority of America to come around to his radical ideas. And I bet you that today, John Adams came forward and saw the advancements and saw the society today. He would stand right up there with the most progressive and forward thinking of people and say, why are we not taking care of everyone's health? Why are we letting people die to cancer with thousands of dollars? You know, I'm slapping my, my, my knee. He would be banging his gavel and hitting the, the thing, the, uh, the, um, the desk 
screaming, why are we allowing this? He'd be right up there screaming. And he'd be right there another 50 or 100 years into the future of everyone else in Congress. And I can't help but think he would be incredibly similar to Bernie Sanders. If there's such a thing as reincarnation, I could believe that John Adams was reincarnated as Bernie Sanders. The very least, he influenced the progressive movement by being forward-thinking and ahead of Congress that reviled him for not being conservative. And uh, that's really where, where his policies lay. There are things that he has said in writing that are on the progressive platform that conservatives have fought against. So this is not me projecting my politics on him. He projected his politics on the future. And I, I want to believe that if he was teleported in the future and saw women voting and everything else, saw that women were being educated, filling positions equal to that of men, he would eat his words because Abigail Adams would say, See, John? John would have to relinquish the argument to, to um, Abigail. As he has done, as he did many times in his life. Dearest Abigail, you are indeed correct. You know? So I firmly believe that of the positions that were of his time, women shouldn't vote. Those things, if he were transported in the future, he would relinquish to Abigail's superior knowledge of life and liberty. And uh, let me also talk about Lady Columbia, our first superhero, or superheroine. Lady Columbia is our patron goddess, or patron spirit, however you want to look at it. She was there when our country was formed. The District of Columbia is named after her. Now, there are a lot of political cartoons. Some conservatives tried to use her to speak for their ideals. But the most popular and the most supportive of the cartoons for Lady Columbia were written by those who believe in civil rights. A cartoon over a hundred years old. Lady Columbia, this, this one, when I see it, it actually kind of makes me tear up because of everything that's in the image and in the picture. She has her hand on the head of a man who's very distinctively made to look Chinese. And she's sitting there glaring at a horrific lynch mob that's coming after him. They're dressed in 1800s clothing says 
What should we do about the Chinese question? And Lady Columbia's answer is, uh, you know, the, the image that I have is low resolution, so I can't re- read the word. But essentially, the word, I, if I remember correctly from my larger uh, image, which I've, I've got on my computer, uh, she says, stay back. Uh, and the word is basically equivalent to barbarians. Every man uh, has a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, essentially is what she said. Let me go ahead and bring it up. America. Oh, God, I can't read that word. It's so low resolution that the letters have just melted together. Uh, But it's America, basically. America reserves fair play for all men. Uh, Fair play is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men are created equal. The rights of the condemned must be honored. That's what fair play meant in the 1800s. Among other things, it means equal playing ground, level. In other words, back the hell off. And behind her, it says the Chinese question, which is what racists and bigots you know, Nazis and communists always say, the Jewish question, how do we answer it? The African-American question, how do we answer it? What question is there? America demands fair play for all men. And all women. I mean, men is, is used in terms of humanity, right? Barb in the back of them are all the all the nasty pejoratives used to describe Chinese. She's turned her back on those words and she's glaring at the mob while making sure that the man who has a noose or, or no, that's, is that a noose or is that his ponytail? Well, he was clearly beaten up. Can't tell with this picture. She's protecting him from that mob. That's Lady Columbia. In many ways, she's everything that Steve Rogers, Captain America, stands for. Equal rights. Civil rights. No supremacy. In wartime, if a Nazi approaches you, punch him. At the same time, when we're not in war... Nazi has a right to speak, but we have a right to use our words to defeat their words. And we use truth and justice to counter these supremacists and these bigots. That's Captain America. Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Captain America all the way. Everyone deserves the right to have their, their, their vote protected and guaranteed the right to vote. That's uh, the Voting Rights Act. Civil Rights Act. There is no segregation in America. America is united with its people. And then, uh, I mean, I say Republicans, but conservatives. Uh, Because technically, Steve Rogers doesn't subscribe to one specific 
political party. He subscribes to ideals. Which means he's likely to vote for one party over another. His ideals, protecting the Voting Rights Act, protecting the Civil Rights Act, against things like uh, Jerry uh, Mandering, or whatever it's called. Um, against segregation. Against hatred in all of its forms. Against religious oppression. Against bigotry. That includes uh, against relig religious bigotry defending all religions. Fundamentalists who want to kill other people, he'll stand and he'll stop them. Religious entities who accept others, he'll stand by them. Doesn't matter if they're Muslim, Christian, or Jewish. So, One last thing. Fourth of July, is it really America's birthday? According to John Adams and according to signatures of the document, no, it's really not. July 4th is kind of like um, a negotiated birthday. Pissed John Adams off, but you know what? This is one time where, one of a few times where John Adams was wrong. You see, the signing of the Declaration, the Declaration of War, the, when the final battle uh, happened, uh, you know, when, when the final surrender was between British and American forces, um, all those things, you know, the final signature on the Declaration, the first signature on the Declaration, when the Constitution was finished, for example, all of these are different dates around the world, right? Around the world. Because you even have, you, you even have the treaty that was signed in Britain. You have you have the 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 treaty that was signed in France uh, when other countries recognized us. All these dates are are just around the world, around the ca calendar. There is no one great date. Well, the first vote was held on July second, and that's the. Uh, the date that John Adams insists is the real Independence Day. So, to his dying, dying breath, dying day, he would refuse invitations to Fourth of July. Just because he got, I mean, he was, he was stubborn. He was stubborn. Um, I mean, I don't know why he just didn't take the Roman concept of celebrating an entire weekend. <laughs> That's what I do when I'm feeling well. Uh, but the 4th of July was when the second vote happened to affirm the first vote and ratification and adoption of the Declaration of Independence. Another fact is that uh, John Adams, as much as he loathed the 4th of July, he and Thomas Jefferson the two main architects of the Declaration of Independence, uh, granted their, the Continental Congress had a great deal of influence in it because they had to vote on things. But those two worked together more closely than anyone else uh, to draft the Declaration of Independence um, for acceptance by the Continental Congress. Uh, both men who were friends, then enemies, then finally friends, 
died within a half an hour of each other on the 4th of July. And I think that as a solemn note, it's important to remember that our forefathers were flawed and deeply in many ways, that our country was flawed deeply in many ways. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves, and he also owned his family to protect them from being put into slavery under someone else. His family, um, you know, Sally was actually, uh, if I remember correctly, a half-sister to Jefferson's white wife. So it wasn't like she was specifically his slave. She was already a relative of his first wife and someone with whom he had a great deal of compassion and love for. It, she wasn't just a slave that he picked out to have sex with. She was, in his mind, of equal footing as his quote-unquote white, white wife. And it's a really horrible thing if you think about it. You are someone who is in love and you're going to enter your second marriage. <laughs> this woman is the, I believe, half-sister of your first wife. So you've known her for a long time. She's been to family gatherings, not as a waitress, but sitting at the table as family. And you have to own her to prevent her from being sold into slavery from your, from your neighbor, from the constable. You have to own your own son in order to give him money to go to school and be more well-educated than 90% of the white men in your county or he'd be put into slavery. You can't free your slaves because they would be rounded up and put into slavery under someone else. And yet he still supported the institution of slavery while also undermining it. I don't know how any of us can judge him other than by saying slavery is bad. Slavery is bad. That's probably the simplest way you can describe anything. Slavery is bad. But can you judge somebody who is so worried about their family that they have to own them to protect them? What kind of society is that? I, I just, I'm glad I didn't live back then. I'm glad I didn't live in the land of slavery. If I did live back then, I don't think I could stomach it. I would go right to John Adams, full abolitionist, doing what I can. I would buy slaves from the South in order to free them in the North. I would spend every last penny I had while maintaining a living standard of not living in the fucking street. By living standard, I mean living in a place where I won't get sick and I won't live in the street, right? I would do everything I would could to, circum to undermine and circumvent that system of sl slavery. So, do I give Jefferson a free pass? 
No, no, I don't. Do I fully condemn him along with a lot of the other slave owners, such as Robert E. Lee? I don't believe I fully condemn him on that level. I'm glad I don't have to face that question in real life. And by real life, I mean living in that era. Or before the idea of freedom for everyone has taken root with the majority of the populace. I'm glad I don't live back in that era. I think it would break my heart in ways that I don't know I don't know how I would function. The closest thing that I can imagine is I could not live Thomas Jefferson's life because it would be so against my moral fibers in the same way that it was against John Adams' moral fibers. But I can understand and I think this is John Adams' position in a lot of ways. I can understand that Jefferson was in a position that was probably difficult to reconcile, specifically with his family. And I would do everything I could, just as John Adams did everything he could, to try and convince Thomas Jefferson, his friend, to cease with the slavery, cease with those ways, reject it all. At least his family, after his passing, remained protected, as did many of his slaves. And descendants of his family are alive today. Somehow something worked out for that lineage. That good things happened for the descendants. I'm not justifying it. I'm just examining all possibilities. And I'm saying I would be in John Adams' camp. And I would press hard against slavery but I, I think it's kind of funny that a man as flawed as Thomas Jefferson and a man as forward thinking as John Adams and by flawed I mean Thomas Jefferson chose to live in his time instead of living ahead of his time John Adams rejected his time and lived ahead of his time and he fought every day of his life to live ahead of his time Jefferson chose complacency he chose not to to stick his neck out too far in terms of slavery maybe it's because he feared for his family there is evidence he has said that he did fear for the future of his sons and daughters Fear controlled him. Fear kept him in his time. And John Ad Adams rejected fear and he moved ahead of his time. So I hope I've... Yeah, and, and both men died on the 4th of July. And I think what an incredibly 
important day, an important sequence of events. But these two men died on the same day and they re represented such different things. And yet at the same time, they both loved their country and they wanted to see the country move forward. I don't agree with uh, Jefferson's politics either. Uh, he directly, his actions directly resulted in the 1812 war. He created a lot of, a lot of problems. Uh, J Adams, John Adams, wasn't perfect. I mean, his presidency was rife with issues as well. But I believe that he did better than John Adams. I mean, not John Adams, than uh, Thomas Jefferson. Still. I can't deny the effect that those men had on our country and how our country developed for both good and bad. And so for this January, July 4th celebration, I'd like you to consider all the things about our country, all the good, all the bad, all the things in between, and all the tough questions that none of us want to deal with or answer. All of them. The fact that our country was created before the world saw slavery as evil. And I say the world because they're trading, the African tribes were trading slaves back and forth. And it was as brutal as our block and chain slavery over here. In Africa, if you were a slave, you're a black slave of one tribe, enslaved by another tribe, you disobeyed them, you would be killed or beaten. That's why the East India uh, Company found it so easy to deal with the largest tribe that could sell them the most slaves. And yes, they did go out and they captured slaves too, but the majority of slaves that the East India Tr Trading Company received, they bought from other black African tribes. And they resold them. The entire world, white, black, Asian, Middle Eastern, the entire world saw slavery as acceptable, block and chain slavery. The entire world did when our country was created. Our country was one of the last countries to end slavery. That's true. And we fought a very bloody war over it. This concept of equal rights has been a painful road to travel. And we've got a long road left ahead of us. But it's the right side of history to make sure that everybody has equal rights. We have a very, very long road ahead of us. But we've also traveled a great distance. And we've made good things happen. So, it's a lot to think about, a lot to digest about the 4th of July. At the end of the day, 
Obviously, I'm glad that slavery was gone. Obviously. And I will continue to fight against racism in any number of ways. Through compassion, through righteous anger, through steadfast resolve. I will fight for equal rights. I will fight for all liberties. And I hope you do too. I know it's exhausting. You could only pick a few battles to fight in your life. Sometimes you don't have the energy for other battles. That's okay. If you're fighting for somebody's right over here, but you can't fight a petition battle to try and end something that deals with segregation on the books there. I mean, you sign your name, you vote, and that's all you can do. You can't sit down and call everybody because you're too exhausted. That's fine. It doesn't mean that you support segregation on the books. You're voting against it. You're supporting the end to it. And you're fighting another good battle somewhere else. You know, even soldiers have limited tours of duty because of exhaustion from fighting. So, keep up whatever good fight you're fighting. Keep in mind the ideals of Lady Columbia, the ideals of John Adams, the ideals of the constitutional documents that were made, and keep being forward-thinking. Think into the future and act into the future. I hope you have a wonderful day. And I hope you celebrate as much as you can to celebrate the victories that we've had. Focus on the victories and focus on moving forward. You know, when when generals when General Washington lost, the Continental Congress wanted to focus on his on his defeats. And men like John Adams said, No, we focus on the victories. He was defeated here, but the men survived, that's a victory. We're going to think into the future. And that's what they did. That's what we need to do. Focus on our victories and think into the future. I love you all. Have a wonderful day. Take care.